read Philippians chapter 4. We'll be in verses uh, <clears throat> 4 through 7. 4 through 7. Hear God's Word for God's people. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And let the peace of God what surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus, the Word of the Lord. Chris, come bless us, brother. Good morning. I'm thankful to be with you all this morning. Uh, how many of you have already, well, let's, let's put it in a positive light. How many of you are going strong in your resolutions? Good. I won't ask the other question. We all know where that one ends. Um, But let me pray and then we'll jump in. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Um, I thank you for this opportunity and the journey you've brought me on to come here. Thank you for this family, this community that loves me so well, uh, that would allow me to be in front of them and bring your word to them. As the new year begins, Lord, I pray that you would give us peace, you would give us joy, and you'd help us to come together as a community that will impact the greater community of Fort Collins and even northern Colorado, that we would be a shining light for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Uh, so I'm excited to walk through this scripture this morning. Uh, the church in Philippi is one of the few churches that we see in the letters from Paul that was doing well. And I think our body greatly resembles the church in Philippi. And so that's an encouragement to us, but it's also an encouragement to continue growing. Um, because the church in Philippi did not think that they had arrived yet. They believed that they still had much to learn and much more to grow like Christ. Uh, the other churches were receiving rebukes and corrections, and like I said, Philippi is receiving more of an encouragement here. And my hope for us as a church is that we would have this humble posture of the Philippians. And even though this is a familiar passage, and you've heard it maybe a few times before, I would encourage us at a time of the year when we're looking at things of a new hope or a new you or a new year, like Aaron said, we'd look at an old scripture and we would see that it's very much alive today as it was yesterday, very much alive this year as it was last year. Uh, before we, we go any further, I want to give a, a shout out to Colt. Appreciate your message last week. It encouraged my heart, um, but it also encouraged my children's hearts. And we got to learn about the position and condition we have before Christ and after Christ. And my kids came home afterwards and they loved your illustration. Uh, the, the bottle of clean, good drinking water and how it, it looks perfectly good and we could drink it. And then he puts a little bit of poison in there. Um, and my, my kids believe that might have been food coloring, but we're not sure. Um, <laughs> But a little bit, and, all, and it ruined the whole bottle. Just like a little bit of sin taints all of our good acts. None of us is good enough. Or as the Bible says, a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. Alright, so let's dive in now. Um, so I've been playing fantasy football for, for quite some time. Probably just about as, as long as I've known Aaron, honestly. I started my sophomore year, and uh, I guess that's getting almost to 20 years ago. So I'm feeling a little bit old this morning as I looked at that number. Um, I got a couple of gray hairs coming in here. I trimmed them so I didn't see them this morning. But I've been playing it that long, and I've had lots of, of ups and downs in, in fantasy football. Um, many of you in, your, you in here may have had that as well. But I've probably had more downs than ups. And this last year, 2023, gave me a great parting gift. 
for my second time in my entire fantasy football career. I won the championship. Um, yeah, you can give that a round of applause. Yes, thank you. Unfortunately, it was at the expense of Chad Anderson. Uh, and so, you know, better luck next year. Uh, actually, no, not better next year. So, um, but this experience uh, and the way it's going to relate to us, you'll see here in a minute. But I was excited about this moment. I was watching the game happen, and there's these percentages that say how much of a chance you have of winning as you go on and the game goes on. And so all of Chad's players had played, and I'm looking at the, the, the score, and I'm saying there's still a 14% chance that I'm losing this game. And I don't understand this. So I go and I look through the numbers, and, I, and I'm like, there's no way. And I realize I still have a running back yet to play. Uh, and that was Aaron Jones, so I should have had more faith in him. But uh, what I did is I actually pulled my running back to make sure that I ensured the victory in case he didn't fumble and screw the game up for me. Um, and so I, I win the victory, and I'm up here on the mountaintop. I'm excited. I'm all excited. I probably would celebrate for a week. I'd still be celebrating now if it was up to me, right? But quickly, I come home, and I, and I, or not come home, I come into the kitchen, and I talk to my wife and kids, and, and they look at me, and they're like, cool, that's awesome. Uh, but what's for dinner? What are we doing tonight? And quickly, in my mountaintop moment, came back to reality, maybe even a little bit humbled in the fact that they didn't care if I won the football championship. They didn't care that I'd been playing for almost 20 years and won the championship. Um, and so my question to you is, have you ever experienced anything like that? A mountaintop moment that quickly fades. A temporary thing, a temporary emotional happiness that doesn't last for very long. Uh, there are many things that we experience emotional happiness over. Things like winning a game. I have a sports background, so it's my first sermon, so I'm allowed to use that for a little while. Eventually, I'll get off of it. Uh, getting an A on that final, all of you college students or high school students, you just experienced that. Getting married, and now the, the, it's a long process of marriage, so I'm talking more about like the initial phase of getting married here. When you get married, I mean, you're all the way up here, right? If, if, you're, if you're the husband, maybe you're a little nervous beforehand, uh, but you're all the way up here, and then you're doing well, and then you go through on the honeymoon, you're great, and then what happens quickly after that? The first quarrel, right? Financial stress. Eventually the kids come. There's all these things. And then you realize that emotional high was still a temporary thing. Emotional happiness. A few other things that we might celebrate in or rejoice in. Good food, a good book, a roller coaster ride. That's really quick. Uh, and even a national championship like the one that's going to be played tomorrow. Who's watching that? All right, who's got Washington? All right, we know Beck has Michigan. Okay. Um, so the list could go on and on. And these things are good things, and we should actually, we should emotionally experience this because God created us with emotions. We should enjoy those things. They were created by God for us to, to have, but they're all temporary. These are temporary things, and they'll leave us wanting more. They'll leave us never satisfied, failing to rejoice always. And this is where our struggle to live out verse 4 in Philippians begins. Paul directs us to rejoice in the Lord always. We struggle to rejoice in the Lord always because we often choose for our rejoicing to be rooted in the created rather than the Creator. I'll say that again. We struggle to rejoice always because we often choose for our rejoicing to be rooted in the created rather than the Creator. That will leave us with temporary emotional happiness instead of true lasting joy. Just after this verse, Paul gives us a list of directives that seem impossible if we're depending on the temporary joys of the world to sustain us. Think about it. Let your reasonable, well, reasonableness be known. How can I do that if I've not first experienced true joy? If I'm always looking for that next emotional high, that next way that I can be served, 
I will not be looking to others and seeing how I could step into their shoes and see things from their point of view. Do not be anxious about anything. Last week, Colt asked us, do you have to try hard to sin? And the answer was no. That's an easy one for us. I think anxiousness is very similar to that. How many of you in here have to try hard to be anxious? All right, good. I wasn't the only one. Okay, and then the last one, having peace that surpasses all understanding. Good luck with that in this day and age. And especially this year, what's going on this year? It's an election year. We're going to see things all over the place. Peace, that's a joke this year, right? So those are three impossible things that we're going to look at. But I think Paul starts with this directive first, to rejoice always in the Lord. Because he knows that rejoicing in the Lord always is the root of where all these other directives get their source of power. How did I come to that conclusion? A few of the things I've already mentioned, but also let's look at a bit of the context here to help us understand. Uh, just after this verse in Philippians 4.13, Paul states, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and like I said, I'm going to have a few athletic things. So maybe you've seen an athlete with that before, right? Maybe they've said it. They've had the eye black on their face or tattooed on their bodies. Philippians 4.13. And I would say that verse has much less to do with winning a football game and much more to do with rooting your rejoicing in Christ. When Paul penned this letter, he was actually in prison. In fact, Paul wrote 30% of his letters from prison. Paul was a man set apart by God to experience suffering so that God's name would be known. And you can look that up in Acts 9.16. To further read about Paul's own recount of his sufferings, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11.24. 2 Corinthians 11.24. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure of me, on me of my anxiety for all the churches. You see, Paul, more so than many, would have had reasons not to rejoice. And many people think that was just the short list of what Paul experienced in suffering. But yet, Paul also writes in Philippians 4, verse 12, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance, and need. So a man that's experienced this level of suffering also says he's learned this secret. And what is that secret that Paul's talking about? I would say it is his ability to rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of his circumstances. To rejoice in the eternal Creator rather than the created. To rejoice in the position and condition we have in Christ, which Colt let us know about last week. To rejoice in the fact that even though we'll experience suffering on this side of heaven, There's going to be a glorious day, a joyous day when we get to meet Jesus face to face. There'll be no more tears, no more suffering, and we'll get to eat at His table. No longer alienated enemy. To rejoice that God has chosen you, Christian, to be a member of His family, and to rejoice that we also don't have to go through suffering alone on this side of heaven. That we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So in understanding that, we have our solution to how we can rejoice always. Look back at verse 4 with me. I want you to underline in that, in, the, in that passage, if you write in your Bibles. If you don't, it's okay. You can just write it in your notes. In the Lord. Because that verse is the key. That passage in that verse is the key. 
That is the solution to our struggle to rejoice always. The solution is to rejoice in the eternal creator rather than the temporary created. Now that we've established our root of rejoicing, let's look at the verses that come next. Read the passage again with me. Philippians 4, 4-7. through Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes, here's three things that we will learn and hopefully embody in this upcoming year. Number one, because we can rejoice in the Lord, our reasonableness must be made known. Number two, because we can rejoice in the Lord, we must not be anxious about anything. And number three, because we can rejoice in the Lord, we will have peace that surpasses all understanding. So our first point comes from verse 5, which says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now that word reasonableness threw me off at first. It's actually fairly hard to translate from the Greek to the English, and it's actually really hard to say, so if I stumble over it, forgive me. Um, but there's many words that actually go into this word together. And, and there's two of them I want to hone in on, which is one is reasonableness, and the other one is gentleness. Gentleness. And those are two very good words for us, and two very good words to put in our tool belt for building relationships. Have any of you ever met someone who always thinks they are right, demanding their own way no matter what? If you think you haven't, you haven't met a toddler yet. But the unreasonable adult who demands their own way, they're not so cute, right? So we, we, uh, we don't let them get away with it. But we don't usually seek out a relationship with the person who's demanding their own way, do you? Or would you usually dread the time you have to spend with that person rather than seeking out that relationship? When you're reasonable and gentle with someone, they will usually be willing to hear what you have to say and guess what? You might just learn something from them as well. That is how relationships are formed. Why is that important? And why does Paul immediately say the Lord is at hand in that very same verse? Well, the Lord is at hand is usually referring to end times and judgment times. Right? And it's usually referring to it's coming soon. We don't know when, but it's coming soon. That's what we see in Scripture. Knowing that God's time is different than our time. And I think that these two are together there because we're supposed to be a witness to non-believers. There should be an urgency about us. God's desire is that no one should perish and that all would repent and believe in Jesus. And so should our desire be. The Lord is at hand is a statement of urgency for us. Knowing that should encourage us to be reasonable with others. Be gentle with others so that they might hear the gospel from us. Both believers and non-believers. This should encourage our hearts and this is a way to do that. And guess what? Joy is one of the key sources of power for us to be reasonable and gentle. Because like I said earlier, it's incredibly hard, dare I say impossible, to be reasonable and gentle with others when my eyes are focused inward. When my eyes are focused on, like I said, my next need, the next thing that I can get, my eyes don't go vertical and they don't go horizontal. They just go inward. But when my eyes go vertical, I firmly fix them on God and the joys that He provides, then my eyes can start to go horizontal. I can step into others' shoes and see what their needs are, meet their needs, and even see their point of view so that I can talk with them in a reasonable and gentle way. So that's reasonableness. Now let's look to our second point. I look at verse 6 again with me. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And again, that point is because we can rejoice in the Lord, we must not be anxious about anything. So that's a pretty tall order. Uh, how many of you find it to be anxious this time of year? You don't have to raise your hands because I already know the answer. Um, there's so much pressure for new beginnings and resolutions, but you are still trying to just catch up from last year's overspending or relational strife. And I have to admit to you all something. These last few weeks, I've been continually reading this passage and attempting to live it out for myself, and this has been a hard one for me. In the last month or so, um, I've ended my job with a company that I'd worked with for over 11 years, and I actually had been a part of that organization since I was in middle school. So really, in a lot of ways, it's part of the DNA of who I am. Um, and so there's a lot of emotions that happen with that, an excitement towards the future, and also a little bit of a lamenting of the past. And, and have any of you ever felt that before? Maybe a job change, losing a job. I didn't lose the job, but losing a job, those things are hard. Um, but I started a new job as a pastoral intern here, and, and thank you very much for bringing me in and letting me be a part of this. I'm excited. Um, and, and, and part of that, too, is uh, I got to be assigned to preach my first week on the job. So there's, there's no anxiousness there for me. Um, we've had many multiple sicknesses in our house. I've been fundraising, making phone calls, wondering if God would lead the people on the other end of the phone to join my support team. Um, and we've had family quarrels, and Lissa started a new job. For the first time in our marriage, she's been working full-time. Um, so that's another new thing for us. So there's many reasons for me to be anxious. And I've had successes and failures in this area over the last few weeks. But I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for that time. Because it's been a growing time. I learned that when I root my joy in the Lord, it led me to pray. Uh, and the way it led me to pray is, I just came to points where I just had to say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't know what to do. This is how I'm feeling, but I'm going to submit that to you and let you take that from me. Have any of you in here ever struggled with that? Releasing control, placing it at the foot of the cross, and trusting that He will take care of you? If you're holding on to anxiousness, it produces a lack of faith. And so my encouragement for us today would be that you would not hold on to that anxiousness. That you would walk in faith and trust the Lord to battle that anxiousness for you. Lay it at the foot of the cross so that you can experience His peace that surpasses all understanding. It also led me to make supplication. Um, and so that's a word maybe we don't hear very often, but it's very similar to prayer, and it actually is a form of prayer. But it means to kneel down, actually get down in a humble position, you know, kneeling or whatever that looks like for you, and make a humble petition, right? Make a humble petition or a humble request of the Lord. Um, and I also did this during the last few weeks. Um, I would literally get down on my knees, and it felt very weird because. Uh, we are a prideful people, and humbling ourselves does not feel normal. But it is an intentional act that we do. And I lifted up my request to the Lord, saying, I trust you to provide all that I need. And, and Paul does very much the same thing throughout Scripture. And the last thing it led me to is it led me to thanksgiving. Um, and specifically here, it led me to be thankful as I prayed, just like it says here, not after I prayed. Before the, the request was ever answered, I am to be thankful. And I failed at this a few times. Um, I just wanted things because just as any child does, they just ask and they don't, you know, expect, or they just expect. But the Lord was gentle and kind with me, gentle and reasonable, we might say. And I just began to be more thankful as I prayed. But then I was also thankful after I prayed because God answered many of my prayers. 
He's been showing up and He continues to show up. Even over the last 11 years that I've been doing ministry, I am thankful for the ways that He shows up. And it also led me to be thankful to be close to God. When you put yourself in a position where you're walking in faith, you have much more reasons to be thankful, it feels like. And you feel much closer to God. But that's just my story. What will our story as a local body be? How will we together combat anxiousness this year? Um, well, we can look back at verse 6 to get our answer, right? What does it say there? It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So just like I experienced that as a church, I hope that we experience that. That we will do that. That we will pray. We will lay our concerns at the foot of the cross. We will tell God how we're feeling, whether that's good or bad. We will supplicate together. I think that's a word or is it make supplication? I'm not sure. But supplicate, I'm going with it. We will supplicate together and we will give thanks together. And we will do all of that all combined. And why would we do this? Because we get a supernatural peace as a result. Uh, and also to make His name known. Ultimately, it's all for His glory. And then other ways that we can do this together, let's do it through intentionality. Usually the opponent of our prayer lives is busyness. We won't make time for it. It's a simple thing to do, but yet we fail to do it most of the time. And as a corporate body, I would pray that we can be intentional this year about it. We can be intentional in, in three ways. I'll give us three practical ways here, right? Uh, one community we can do it in is our life groups. So if you're not in a life group, I would encourage you to join a life group because one, you get to pray together, but two, you get to live life together. And that's one way we can do this together. The, another way we can pray together is our monthly prayer group. It meets once a month and we just pray and there's you know a potluck and some good food and fellowship and we pray. And the third way we can do this together is Sunday mornings. Come on Sundays. Pray with one another. If you need to come a little bit early, that's okay. We've got room for that. Stay after and pray for one another. Pray with one another. And, and make requests known to the Lord. And when we do this, my prayer and request for us as a body is that we will see the fruits of our time spent with the Lord together. My prayer for us is that we will combat anxiousness and experience true peace. God's peace. Which brings us to our third point. Look with me again at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that third point is, because we can rejoice in the Lord, we will have peace that surpasses understanding. This is a promise. This is not a suggestion. This is not a maybe. This is, it says we will have peace if we do this. Now we just learned about combating anxiousness through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And I can't fully explain how before my circumstances change that I experience peace just by simply praying. But I do. And I guess that's why it's called peace that surpasses all understanding, right? So I have a story of this. Um, back in college, it was shortly after I met Aaron. Um, I, was, I was growing as a Christian, and I've been a Christian most of my life, but I don't feel like I really started growing until maybe my college years. Um, and there's another man that discipled me as well, uh, another faithful man. His name was Jeff Pryor. Some of you might know him. Um, he's been serving at the CSU campus and at UNC campus for like 30 years. Faithful man. But one day he, he prayed for me um, after I shared a story with him. Uh, right after high school, I went to a mission trip to Macedonia. And on that mission trip, we did some service projects, but we also went to what was called the Riverwalk. And we were just, the only goal was to share our faith. 
And so I go up to somebody thinking, hey, I'm going to be able to share my faith. I'm, I'm on fire. I've, I grew up in this. And I try to share my faith. And I literally opened my mouth to talk and no words came out. And I just started shaking. And I couldn't speak. And I felt so defeated and so full of shame. Uh, I grew up fairly uh, quiet, didn't talk much. Um, I was actually, I would say, probably a little bit socially awkward when I got to college. So forgive me for that. Hopefully I've grown out of that. Um, but that, that was where I was at. And then this man, when I shared that with him, and I would had a fierce and sin, I hadn't shared my faith with anybody. Um, and I also shared with him that I once froze in speech class for five minutes and the teacher let me sit in it. But he chose to pray for me and pray with me. And it felt like a physical weight came off of me. I don't know how to explain it. Um, and, and I've lifted a lot of weights in my life, but this was a, a big weight and it felt like it came off of me. Maybe, uh, you know, I, we won't go into the poundage. But a physical weight came off of me and I experienced true peace, I think, for the first time in my life when that happened. And that peace is still with me today. Because without that moment, without that peace, I actually wouldn't be in front of you today. I'd be in the back hiding from everyone. Um, that, was, that was my goal, was to hide in a cubicle or behind a, a saw the rest of my life. And, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I didn't want to talk to anybody. That was my goal, and God quickly changed that and moved me in a different direction, and I thank Him for that. But that was the true peace that I experienced. And that peace only comes from the eternal Creator, God. The God who promises me eternal life through His Son Jesus, who took on human form, which we just had the opportunity to celebrate, and He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross to reconcile us to Himself, and then ascended, ascended to heaven to sit on His throne where He still sits today, and He's making, and He intercedes for me and you even now. That's where my peace comes from. The world around us will be shocked that somehow we're at peace, even though our circumstances are terrible. Peace that surpasses all understanding not only sustained us, sustains us, but it also becomes a witness in a world so full of anxiety, confusion, and chaos. That's real peace. That kind of peace doesn't depend on my circumstance, but is rather rooted in the deep, unchangeable truth. And that is the kind of peace that I want. Don't you? Anxiousness produces all kinds of bad things in our lives that will either harm us or those we love physically, mentally, or spiritually. So church, today during a week of so many New Year's resolutions, can we resolve to rest in the peace that only comes from the God of peace? to let it root out our anxiousness, creating faith and allowing us to rejoice in the eternal Creator. As we close this morning, I want you to remember this. Rejoicing in the Lord always is going to be hard and we will struggle with it on this side of heaven. We will tend to rejoice in the temporary created rather than the eternal Creator. But it is crucial to living out our Christian life. Without rejoicing, Without rooting, out our, sorry, without rooting our joy in the Creator, we will be powerless to walk out our faith. We will be powerless to encourage one another in Christ. We will be powerless to be reasonable with the neighbor. We will be vulnerable to anxiety and we will continue to lack peace, leaving ourselves open for attacks from the enemy. But the opposite of this is true as well. When we, rejo we root our rejoicing in the Lord, we will have power to walk out our faith. When we root our rejoicing in the Lord, we will have power to encourage one another in Christ. When we root our rejoicing in the Lord, 
we will have power to be reasonable witness to our neighbor. When we, reduce, when we re- are rejoicing in the Lord, we will combat anxiousness through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And when we root our rejoicing in the Lord, we will have peace that surpasses all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank You that this is the day that You have made and we can rejoice and be glad in it. And not because of the created things, but because of who You are as the eternal Creator. I pray that You'd help us to walk out this new year rejoicing always. There are many Scriptures in, 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 uh, that we can read to rejoice, Lord. And any time that we forget, I pray that You'd put them on our hearts. Even as Cole read Psalm 118 this morning, that is a great example. Uh, I pray as we finish out today that, Lord, that You would uh, just fill us um, and we thank you for your love. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.